Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance. Insurance company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. This episode of Kitchen Club is lovingly sponsored by Wild Nutrition. Wild are the experts in women's nutritional health, dedicated to harnessing nature's most potent ingredients in food-grown supplements. We've both been massive fans of Wild Nutrition for a few years, but especially during our pregnancies, as we've both been taking the pregnancy supplement all throughout. And I was taking their folic acid pre-pregnancy too, which was so helpful. I've personally found the pregnancy supplement to be so supportive in shifting my exhaustion. I've had many sleepless nights during this wild journey, but for some reason have never felt that frantically tired, like I couldn't handle things. And I definitely think that's down to the supplements. So all hail. They've also been so helpful with my nausea, which is super, super appreciated as I am a very sicky pregnant lady. Wild Nutrition are committed to never using fillers or binders and simply focus on the cleanest whole ingredients for your body. They also offer free 15-minute consultations on their website to help you find the best supplements for you. You can enjoy a delicious 20% discount using code KITCHENCLUB20 at the checkout. Thanks so much, Wild. You've been incredible. Hello and welcome to Kitchen Club with me, Sarah Malcolm, and my brilliant pal, Serena Louth. Kitchen Club is the podcast that brings you conversations from the kitchen table, bringing a host of new guests and new areas of expertise to get stuck into, all surrounding food and well-being and topics we generally just want to learn more about. Before getting into the episode this week, we want to let you know that Kitchen Club is going on maternity leave. We have been super lucky, Sarah and I, to conveniently time our Bubba's arrivals pretty close together. So we're going to be taking a short break for a few months. I'm afraid we're not able to give you an exact date when we'll be back creating Kitchen Magic. Depends on how the early stages of motherhood go for both of us. But if you'd like to stay in touch in the meantime, we will let you know where you can find us. So Sarah, where can people get their daily dose of you? Well, if you are going to miss me during this time off, (laughs) then I've actually just launched a lovely collection of yoga videos called The Pregnancy Bundle on my online yoga subscription at home with Sarah. Um, So if you're keen to start yoga, perhaps you're on a pregnancy journey yourself, um, then those videos are available for you to keep forever. And if you would like to join the membership, then 
that is still buzzing away with really, really beautiful guest teachers who are coming in to support on At Home with Sarah. Um, so you can find me <laughs> there mysteriously what about you Serena tell us tell us your ventures because I feel like you've got lots of lovely new things that you're offering at the moment so it'd be great for people to know what you're up to hun well I've not yet been organized enough to plan something like that to kind of cover me while I'm off um you've been very good and I actually I'm going to be going to be signing up myself for Sarah's pregnancy bundle yay um until I take myself off I have got a new treatment room in Shoreditch on a Thursday where I'm offering reflexology facial reflexology and zone facelift treatments which is like a holistic natural alternative to Botox it's also super relaxing so for the next few months you can find me there I am also just about to finish my training as a hypnobirthing teacher, which is very exciting. So I'll have to give that a go myself and report back to you in a couple of months. But who knows? Maybe, maybe by the time the bubba comes, I will have organized, organized something else, in which case you'll probably find it on Instagram where everything else goes down. How exciting. And listeners, if you are within reach of getting to Shoreditch to go and visit Serena, I would absolutely recommend it I've visited her once already and I'm going again this week for um reflexology and it is just the most divine space and she has magic hands I can't say anything else apart from she has magic hands so do go visit her thanks my babe (laughs) I also do home visits as well actually I should mention just in case you are super duper pregnant and not loving the idea of the tube so that's a nice option yeah there you go Well, let's get on with this episode as it is another very special live bonus episode of Kitchen Club, which we recorded whilst living our absolute best lives in Zakynthos at the Pelagoni Club back in May. And if you haven't listened to the last live bonus episode, which was with the happy pair, it is well worth a listen because it was just full of joy. It was. This week's wonderful guests are just as incredible. This week, we're talking to Rosemary Ferguson and Lily Simpson. Rosemary is an amazing functional medicine practitioner, and Lily is the founder of Kitchen Club, Kitchen Club favorite, the Detox Kitchen. So without further ado, we will get stuck into the episode and you can learn more about these wonderful women from themselves. So I'm sure these two wonderful ladies don't need much of an introduction, but we will let them introduce themselves. So we'll start first with you, Lily. Hi, um, so I'm Lily. Um, I have a company called Detox Kitchen. I started it 10 years ago. Um, we are predominantly a food delivery company. So we have meal deliveries that go out throughout the UK. Um, we also have two cafes in central London. Um, I'm also a mum of three and just very passionate about our food industry um, and the sort of highs and lows of it. Um, yeah, that's me, really. And I love swimming in the sea, so it's a real pleasure to be here. Joy, joy to have you, Lily. <laughs> and Rose, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi. I'm a bit aware that some of you have already heard my spiel um, earlier today, so I'll try and tell you some things you might not know. But I'm also a mum of three. Um, and I like swimming in the sea too, and it's lovely to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm a nutritionist and a functional medicine practitioner. I have a, a clinic in London. I do actually do a lot of online now after COVID. 
which so um, it's interesting because I see people from everywhere online, which is great. Um, I'm very passionate about nutrition. I'm very passionate about the healing power of food. Um, and yeah, and that's what I, you know, I believe strongly in holistic and healing yourself. Um, but I also believe in balance and having a good time. And, you know, I'm not very strict. I think that's essential in life. She says, as they deliver our margarita and rosé. It's my rosé. <laughs> oh, good. My friends did stop calling me rosé at one point, so, instead of rose. <laughs> so, with our podcast, food is an enormous part of it. Obviously, it's called Kitchen Club. And the way that we usually kick things off is that we ask our guests for their three favourite ingredients, and we then create a recipe for them, ready, steady, cook style, um, using those ingredients. We obviously can't cook for you today, but we would love to hear, please, what are your three favorite ingredients? And if there's a reason why, then it would be great to hear that too. Mm. Who's going to go first? Yeah. Okay. Um, do you know, you, you mentioned this earlier, and I thought, I must think about that, <laughs> and I haven't thought about it. But Because but, also, when, when you asked, there's so many, it's really hard to choose. But I guess garlic would have to be one of them, mm. just because I put it in most things raw, cooked, you know, it goes into lots and lots of things. So, um, and I would be very, very sad without garlic, I think. Um, cauliflower, and this is a transient one because at the moment I'm having a love affair with cauliflower. I love it. It's um, cruciferous veg. It's full of good things for the liver. It's full of good for the methylation cycle. But, you know, but I just love, I love working with it. It's great. I love bait. And it's really easy. I just put, put some turmeric on it and bake it it's great oh, turmeric and cauliflower I yeah. think I was going to say is my favourite way yeah. Yeah. it's so easy Delicious. even I can manage it <laughs> and then um, and then there were two there's either you either get cumin or you get ghee so you can take your pick one of those if you had to choose Rose if, you, if I had to choose um, probably cumin actually mm. just because of the flavour I do love it I add it to a lot of things mm. what if we let Rose have both and we say that we would make her a roasted garlic oh, spiced yeah. cauliflower soup Oh my god, that sounds. And then I can have think about well. soup in this heat. I know. I, said, I was waiting for salad, and I was like, yes, 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 soup. No. <laughs> or or like a nice curry, but again, not not appropriate here. We'll make it and send it back home. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and Lily, um, so I have a bit of a this. I mean, it's so just predictably annoying that my one of my favorite vegetables is cabbage, um, because it's just like a really sort of plain, boring, ultra healthy ingredient that you would suspect a owner of a company called Detox <laughs> Kitchen quite like. Um, so I'm really sorry about being predictable, but the reason I love cabbage is because there's so many different types of cabbage. That's true. But also, if I'm at home and I have nothing in my fridge, there's always a cabbage and there's always bread. Lingering, so yeah, lingering cabbage. Cabbage, toasted sandwich Ooh. with mayonnaise, salt and pepper, drizzle of olive oil, that's done. I mean, it's amazing. I think I just heard someone say that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it's, I'm sure you would make it really Anyone well. Anyone I have ever eaten it in front of is like, what are you doing? Does it I'm have like, cheese in it? Sometimes it can have Yeah, I'm imagining like a really good toasty. Yeah. Like, if, it doesn't have to have cheese in it. Uh, I mean, it I depends who I'm it. with. Um, and if I'm being judged, I'll add cheese. <laughs> yeah. If I'm not being judged, I won't. Um, <laughs> so cabbage, mushrooms. Mm. Oh, Every day, just love mushrooms. Whack them in the favorite oven. type. I love just well. I mean, shiitake probably just mm. for like 
you can get loads of flavour and stuff, but you can also just have them normally. Um, love a portobello, actually. Just a good old chestnut. Or even a button <laughs> in, a, in a curry. <laughs> I mean, what's not to love about them? Um, and then the final one, um, oh, I can't remember. It's not that. It's not that I've been like thinking about this all day. Um, <laughs> tequila? No. <laughs> um, that would be great in a foodie recipe. Say, yeah. yeah. How does that go I with mean, cabbage and mushrooms? Actually. I don't know. I'm a bit stuck on, on what to enough. make with that. <laughs> you have tequila mushrooms. I wonder if you sautéed them enough. Yeah. I'm sure thing. it'd be delicious. Oh, cashew nuts. Sorry. Oh, cashew, nuts. Mm, cashew nuts. That was it. I mean, obviously. Do, do, do any of these ingredients evoke like particular childhood memory or are they just like recent um, loves? Do you know what? As a child, I ate so many different types of food. So they you? were always, you know, all those ingredients were through my childhood. So yeah, I would say they don't particularly evoke anything, but I would have eaten mushrooms and cabbage. Yeah. And ca- wow. A lot of cabbage growing up. Mm. And that leads me on to <laughs> my question. Cabbage child. Um, cabbage patch kid. <laughs> cabbage patch kid. I, yeah. I did too. I did boiled cabbage is a staple <laughs> growing up and everything's all. I'm not really selling it. I haven't, I'm going to do, and I'm, I'm going to tag you. you in a picture of my cabbage on toast. <laughs> and then I'm going to tag my children's reaction and send it to you. <laughs> this is care of Auntie Lily. <laughs> Oh, um, good. So leading on from childhood cabbage loving, obviously you both work with food and food is a massive part of your of your life, your yeah, livelihood. Has that always been the case or when did things switch for you both when you thought that actually you want to turn that kind of love for eating well into a career? Uh, Rose, what's up with you? Um, I think we have to be careful about saying that I'm good with food or whatever it was you just said. I can talk nutrients. No, I love, I do. I love, love, love food. But she's definitely the one who makes it taste good. Um, um, I think... (laughs) 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 You can use that. Um, I think, well, I I loved, um, I think when I was younger and working, um, as a, in the fashion industry and living in New York and I was burning the candle I think and London actually it wasn't isolated to New York it was in lots of places I was burning the candle but I think it was I started seeing food as like a it's like a credit system so I'd go out and it, my credit would go down and then I'd take care of myself the next day by eating really well and I'd started juicing and so my credit would go back up <laughs> um, but also because the fashion industry is like they're quite they're not faddy, but they are always looking for the next quick, the next new thing. So I, I really remember having quinoa when I was living in New York. And I was, everyone was like, what is this? It's amazing. It's got high protein. And I, was like, oh, and I think, and then also having kids, you know, having children when you're the only person who's responsible for what you put in their mouth, you're suddenly like, why am I giving them this? Why am I doing that? Um, and so I think that's, I, that's what started the thinking. And then I knew that I wanted to practice. So I had to go back to school. So that's why I had to go back to college. And that kicked off functional medicine. And then, so I went back to college and did my nutrition and naturopathy. And then uh, about seven years after that, I went back and did functional medicine. Um, so, yeah, so I'm always learning. But, um, yeah, it took it took a while to learn just because I did it part time. I had three kids. I was working. But I think that's where it was. And I just, and I really wanted to practice. It was something that I really knew I wanted to do. So I wanted to have a clinic and I wanted to practice and I wanted to try and help people get better. Um, the sciencey bit is quite overwhelming, though. I didn't really give a damn about the enzyme pathways. 
I really didn't. I was like, what do you mean? I've got to know why that does that. I just want to know why a blueberry helps. (laughs) So that was a bit of a shocker. But, um, but yeah, I really love it. I think food's incredible. Like, you can literally change the way someone feels in, within a day of them eating a slightly different. It's ama- it is amazing. Mm. And the body is amazing how it responds. So that's where yeah. I feel very passionate about it. I think as a modern society, we're always looking for help elsewhere. Yeah. But so much is within reach if we just have the, yeah, like a little bit of the knowledge in order to feed ourselves well and fuel ourselves well. I mean, it's crazy that people try to expect themselves. That there are lots of things you can't, you know, I don't believe in telling people you've got to change your life because mm. that's not. But helping yourself to help your body deal with whatever your life looks like is the business that I'm in, you know. So um, the stress, but it is amazing what people don't understand about what they put in their mouths every day and how that affects them. And so I think education is something that I feel quite strongly about too is trying to get people to well just trying to tell you know I use my Instagram channel for that just sort of saying okay this is this is for I mean you know it's I think education is really important around food actually because people don't they're so dissociated from what they're putting in their mouth to, and that effect that it has on how they're feeling physically and emotionally is quite amazing yeah off the back of that could you just explain please for anyone I was going to say watching listening um, mainly because my husband asked me earlier and I didn't, I, I know what functional medicine is, but I didn't know how to explain it to him. What, how would you describe functional medicine and like what sort of person might come and see you for help? Um, so I always talk about functional medicine as it's a fancy schmancy way of saying holistic. So it's a way, so we're looking at everything. So we're not treating the symptom, we're treating the person and we're treating their whole life, everything. So when somebody comes to me with thyroid issue, so we look at how to support that thyroid through their lifestyle, what they're eating, how they're feeling, how are you sleeping, are you stressed, how many bowel movements do you have a day? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. You know, so there's lots and lots of things. So we look at everything. And, and the thing that's really nice about being a functional medicine um, practitioner is that you spend a lot of time. That's the problem with the, the, the uh, health system in a lot of countries. That they don't have, people don't have time to deal, sit with patients and go through all of that, whereas I get a whole lot of time with these people. And I deal with, uh, well, I was just saying my cases are getting more and more complicated, um, I suppose, as my experience grows and people feel confident to come and see me. Um, but I, I deal with IBS and I deal with digestion issues. Um, but it is getting more complicated cases, you know, like uh, things like um, colitis or thyroid issues or cancer. Um, obviously, you work in conjunction with doctors when it's more serious. But um, you can do a lot with with lifestyle and food. I really like a massive amount. It's really exciting because I know so many people who've seen doctors recently. And once a doctor has ruled out a clinical issue, they say, no, you're fine. And they send you away. And the person's like, but I don't feel fine. And so it's great. Well, IBS is the absence of any other diagnosis. Yeah, that's all it. IBS is not a diagnosis. It's just we don't know what it is. So we go, we've, we've ruled out everything serious. We're going to call it IBS because yeah. you have a digestive issue. But we don't know what to do about it, and we're not going to give you any advice on how to fix it. <clears throat> I know, which is rubbish. So it's so nice. It's There's bit. people like you helping them. <laughs> Thank you, Rose. We, we ta- went on a tangent, but yeah, we really enjoy tangents. But Lily, we'll we'll come to you for the same original yeah, question on was food always a big part of your life, and if not, how did it come into your life? Um, I think food has always been a huge part of my life in that I've always eaten really well. We've always sort of celebrated food in my family. It's always been an occasion, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner, literally kind of all around the table. And 
and I never really saw that as a privilege. I just saw it as that was normal. Surely all people do this. And then kind of as I got older and at university, I just kind of saw a different way of, you know, that everyone was very individual with their food. And actually it was kind of um, sad in a way, seeing that I had this um, affinity with food and that, you know, a lot of people I was at university with had never cooked at all. Um, I never really thought I'd go into food, um, but the more now that I am in food, the more I feel even more passionate about this kind of disconnect that we have with the food we eat and actually even more so how it's really not our fault. You know, we think that food is a decision we make three times a day um, and we think it's an individual decision, but actually it's so deep rooted in so many other factors. You know, one, we live in a globalized sort of um, digitalized world where we see other people's food, we see other people's bodies. So they play into decisions we make about a single thing we're going to eat. You know, we are being in a capitalist society. You have, you know, things that are marketed to you. You have people that want you to eat food and then eat, you know, eat a fat, sugary donut. And then a diet industry that will say it can cure you of that. And it's a really complicated, complex food system that we've created where it's not just about something that's grown in the ground and something that you put in your mouth, but actually all these other complex psychological issues um, that even people without eating disorders have, you know, normal, um, normal people. Um, so yeah, I think that sort of developed over time with me and that kind of thought process and that's kind of led a lot of what we do at Desox Kitchen to an extent. Um, but in the early days, it definitely didn't, it, you know, it was, I was sending food to a friend who wasn't feeling great Within two weeks, she was like, I'm completely transformed. Um, and that's how I started detox, basically. Um, and yeah, I just, I think, you know, we're kind of, the point of what we do is just making healthy food convenient and taking away all of those complex choices and thought processes that go into what we're supposed to eat. Um, yeah. yeah, it's um, <clears throat> interesting. You mentioned kind of growing up, sitting around a table with your family. I recently learned, and actually, I'm never good at scientific things. So, Rose, you probably even know more, more about this than me. But I recently learned that um, the hormone oxytocin, our love hormone, which is released during um, labor, during sex, is also released during sharing a meal with someone. So not only does it, you know, we sit down, we take a moment to sit with our family, to engage with family and friends when we're eating a meal. But we also get this extra connection when sharing food and appreciating food. And, you know, in our modern world, day, day in, day out, it's quite rare to be able to sit down for every single meal and like pause, put down your phone, appreciate the food, you know, have gratitude for where the food has come from. Mm. So I think it's, a really important part of of living well is to take that pause and take pleasure in what you're eating and putting in your body because yeah it's important it's you know mm. I think yeah I think again sort of that pleasure in every sense has been stripped from the way we eat in in the modern world and I think now we're sort of going through a phase of trying to get that pleasure back into the way we eat by taking out all of those like complex things that are going on and trying silencing it so actually sitting down with other people and making the food the focus is why that works, because you forget about all the kind of external factors that might make you feel anxious about food or like confused or whatever it might be. Yeah, definitely. And also, I mean, from a physiological point of view, when you're eating on the run, 
you're not going to digest the food. There is a reason it's called rest and digest. Your parasympathetic nervous system will help you rest and digest your food, but if you're not in it, it won't. You know, I mean, the idea when you're in your sympathetic nervous system and you're stressed, there is no focus on your digestion at all. It's focused on your brain and your limbs. So sitting down and, you know, it then takes four breaths before you start eating to get into the parasympathetic nervous system. So, um, so for, you know, for all of those things, taking time is a really important part of, you know, for, for the digestion. Yeah. And not, not being on a screen because that shifts you straight back into sympathetic, mm. doesn't it? Yeah. Extremely important. I'd like to circle back to your cocktails. <laughs> Because my favorite thing is when I meet people in the wellness world who also like a drink. I think that we've kind of passed the like very strict clean eating stage where people were like, my body is a temple. Um, And I'd like to ask you both about your, I guess, your foodie ethos, your attitude towards balance. And as you pointed out, there's the diet industry saying we need to do this. And then there's fast food companies saying you need to eat this. And it's quite a confusing place to navigate you know, how should we be around food? What should we be eating? And especially with you both being mothers and raising children. I know, Lily, your children are a bit younger. Rose, your children are teenagers and a bit older. How do you navigate how you teach them to be in relation to food and how you two are with it? It's a big question. Mm. Who would like to go first? Maybe Lily go first this time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's such it is such a big question. Um, I think also the whole children thing is very complex as well. Um, And often, potentially, we sort of overthink it a lot. Um, You know, I think my mentality with my children is very much if they... I don't want to make a big deal out about anything. I don't want food to be an issue for them. Um, But at the same time, I want them to eat well, which often is, you know, clashes because it's very difficult. You sort of want them to just... um, But I actually think it's different also for boys and girls. Um, And so... I had I've had these sort of two experiences. I had this experience once with a very well-known female chef, probably the, one of the most well-known female chefs in the UK. And I went to an event and I was cooking and I turned up and she said, you're far too skinny to be a chef, like very seriously. And she's quite fierce as well. I was like, I really, I do really like cooking though. And I really love food and I eat, I do eat. And I was just like trying to justify myself. And I was much younger and kind of naive. And, and I look back to that moment and I think, God, what should I have said in that case of like sort of really trying to defend my thing. And, um, and then I have this other thing going around in my head of like, can you, can you really truly be a feminist if you're skinny, you know? And all of these things are ridiculous in some respect because actually it's all about judgment. It's all about judging yourself and worrying that other people are going to judge you. You know, of course you can be a skinny chef and of course you can be a, a fat feminist or a thin feminist. Like, it's ridiculous that we even have these concepts that we're judging in the first place. And so for my daughter, I think it's actually less about food. I feel like I can make them enjoy food. I can create food that I know that they'll love and I want them to try lots of different things. But actually for my daughter, I want her to love her body. Um, and I don't want it to be about, you know, telling her to love herself but showing her that bodies can be strong and you know I'll I still have a bath with my daughter and I walk around naked all the time and I just you know and I think I'm I want to show her that there's no shame um and I don't know why it's more relatable to my daughter but I feel like the my sons just won't have that sort of the same sort of pressure um so yeah I guess my mentality when it comes to food you know I I'm obsessed with food I think about it all the time in a really positive way it's complete pleasure like I just it's three very pleasurable moments throughout the day 
and you know I eat what I want but I also eat what's going to make me feel good you know I don't want to sit down and eat loads of food that's yes it's really delicious in the instant but I know that I'm going to crash afterwards and feel rubbish and um so really food is just about um pleasure that's kind of long-lasting not just instant pleasure or um but yes and and I think that kind of if you can get into that mindset but then me saying that you know a lot of people can't get to that point. You know, we talk about mindful eating and intuitive eating, but actually that, again, is very loaded, you know, to get to a place where you can listen to your body. You know, I often see on Instagram, it's like this, you know, rules of eat healthy eating, like listen to your body. But it's very, very difficult for some people, especially when they've had a lifetime of not being able to do that or being overloaded with foods that have restricted them from understanding what their body wants or needs. Um, so, yeah, it's a sort of long way around of saying... What I think about food <laughs> and feminism and scary chefs. <laughs> Everybody's guessing in their head who I that know. was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't Nigella Lawson, just seen. I'm oh, sure. No, that's she who was... I was assuming. No, 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 no. No, she's more of a chef, chef. Okay. okay. Anyway, I'll leave that now. I'll Thank tell you, you later after like three more movies. Okay, perfect. Thank <laughs> you. Rose, how about you? Um, well, we'll start with kids here. So I have three girls. And we were talking about this earlier because I think for girls it is different just because of the social media that they look at. I, you know, I mean, not, that's not to say it's not hard for boys too, but I'm very aware that my three kids are all girls um, and they are under this constant pressure. Um, so my kids are 15, 16 and 22, so they're older, but they are, they're hilarious. We were talking about my youngest. So they're all tall, they're all my height, but my youngest is taller than me. And they're all different shapes and sizes and she is really strong girl and she doesn't give a shit. And what's interesting about them is that, so I've done exactly the same. So as they've grown up, because I'm aware of the pressure they're under, I've tried to keep it keep it real. You know, I've tried to like be, you know, because all their friends eat have crisps in the cupboard. They're all, they all have crisps in the cupboard. And they're like, so when we go to the shops, they, you know, they, they eat crisps, they eat chocolate, they eat normal food. Um, but then they, there was one occasion where they did say, Mum, please don't give them lentils when they <laughs> when their friends were going around. <laughs> I think they went through a phase of doing mung bean stew or something. Please, Mum, can they just do pizza when my friends come over? Or fish goujons or something. Anyway, so they, you know, so they have to have their trials. And they do. But they, they've got a really good variety of tastes. So I think that's good. Um, and, but I haven't imposed any food thing on them at all because I think the relationship I know in clinic I've never met anybody who doesn't have a weird relationship with food to some extent or another and so encouraging a positive relationship with food is what my main goal would be with my kids um and there's a lot of pitfalls along the way for that and I and you know what even the, as hard as you try you might not actually achieve it and there might you know that I, I work with lots of um, eating disorders along with with their with analysts so it's quite scary, that bit, I think. Mm. Um, and then food-wise, I'm at, well, drinking things is started off with talking about alcohol. <laughs> I'm a terrible binge drinker. I have to hold my hands up. <laughs> and it's a dear as I, it's a dear as I say, not as I do scenario, which there are a lot in my clinic. But I don't really drink very much. I don't drink very many days a week. But if I do drink, I, you know, I have, I drink quite a lot, I suppose. Um I, and there's no judgment on my part. I don't think I don't think you can judge anybody for doing anything. And actually, that's why what I know from clients, they're like, we can tell you because they you know they know they're not going to get judged because that's that's I don't think there's any room for that. No. Um, and food wise, I just feel like it's not rocket science. I feel like what I do. I think that what you said is so true. 
that it's been lost along the way, how simple it can be to feed your body what it needs. And the problem with high fat, high sugar processed food is it changes the way your brain thinks and works. And it means that you're craving stuff that your body, that doesn't work for your body. Having said that, I think also sometimes it's nice to have, I was going to say donut, but I don't really like donuts. But you know, it's nice to have a bit of something, you know, I suppose glass of wine or I just think, I think not being too strict. 80, 20, the 80, 20, 70, 30 Mm. rule is, is a really good way to live. Because uh, I see people also actually talking about the clean mean. I see people coming to my clinic who are so stressed about eating properly at all times that they're driving themselves mad. Yeah. Mm. They won't go out for dinner. They don't want to go around to their friend's house. I'm like, you do know all that shit is good for you too. Yeah, like hanging exactly. out with people, communicating. Con- you know, it's 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 really important too, rather than whether you've got the right olive oil on your salad or not. Yeah. So we yeah, um we interviewed a. Sorry, I've just spoken over you. That's very rude. But I was just thinking about this girl, Isa, who we interviewed once, who said that we think that nourishment is just about food. And actually, as you say, there's soul nourishment and stuff that you get from going and having a meal and drinking a bottle of wine. And sometimes going and drinking a bottle of wine with your friend is exactly what you need, not a cabbage salad. It's like a cabbage sandwich. Sandwich. And to be honest... <laughs> a lonely cabbage it's sandwich. always a cabbage sandwich. <laughs> I'm going to invite you all around for a shared I meal. I actually believe you. Sandwiches, Can't wait. And you will not experience pleasure like it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually know that you're right. I know that yeah, you're right. I, I yeah. I mean, I think I've had a really great cabbage sandwich, to be honest, <laughs> at the Dusty Knuckle Doors. Yeah, well, there you are. Exactly. Yeah. Um, stole it from me. It's also interesting, because we've had this conversation many times on the podcast around, you know, what does it mean to eat well and I think um a lot of the conversations have come back to getting enough diversity in your diet and and I would agree with that and you know it's it you can eat the same thing every single day the same salad every single day but the joy is is made in discovering new ingredients and herbs and you know all of that and is it a hundred hundred different vegetables herbs fruit rather than your five a day or ten a day hundred a week isn't it isn't yes, something like that the diversity and spices and herbal yeah. teas and, and herbal stuff herbal teas all count. count someone else can quite can but you see things like that does, does that that sort of terrifies me as well and don't get me wrong we talk about that detox kitchen i always read sort of things and i'm like should we be i know don't count should it. we be <laughs> categorized should we yeah. you know and suddenly it becomes this thing where people are you know what if what if you do have a really delicious salad or cabbage sandwich that you love (laughs) and you do want to eat that every day? And actually, like, from a nutritional perspective, you know, again, does it come to this sort of overthinking potentially? You know, if we go back thousands of years, you know, we may have eaten the same four ingredients for a long period of time, for a whole season, um, because that was all that was available, that's what would have sustained us, it would have been enough to sustain us. Um, I do think that, you know, and I agree, like diversity from a scientific perspective, of course, is much better for your microbiome and, and everything else. But again, sort of labeling it and, and people, you know, now have people who are like ticking off how many things they've had yeah. a day and like, oh, I've only had like 20 varieties this week. It's like, yeah. no, this is not the joy. This yeah. is like, I don't know. So yeah. it's, it's really, it's almost like having the knowledge, but interpreting the knowledge in a joyful way is kind of funny isn't it because actually the 30 I think there is a, the challenge is to eat 30 different veg and fruit in a week um and that it, so from my point of view it's like oh that's great you know it encourages people to try different things mm. but what you've just said is actually really true because then it's another it's another like it's another framework of rigidity rather mm. than just not 
you know, it's like it's another thing, isn't it? Rather than it just being just normal, just yeah. normalizing it, it makes exactly. it not normal, which is really true. And you know, that's why seasonal eating is really good, actually, because you're mm-hmm. you un- without thinking about it, you have to change the vegetables and fruit that you're eating. Really. Yeah, 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 definitely. I'm also someone just agreeing with you, Lily. Someone who um, gets really obsessed with like making the same thing for a week, and yeah. I'll have that, you know, every single day, and then I'll be like, okay, I'm done with that. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> it also makes fine, sense yeah. if you're batch cooking. You know, I see yeah. loads of people who don't like cooking and don't want to, but they do want to eat well. So batch cook the whole bloody lot, mm. and then you've got your food for the week. Yeah, cabbage sandwiches all the way. I mean, yeah. it does make sense though. <laughs> but you, you know, call this episode "Habit the Cabbage Sandwich." Oh, I really want one, actually. Yeah. It does. Um, oh. Just on that vein as well, Rose. How important is that the act slash art of cooking to you both? Is it something you both enjoy, or is it something you think oh, I'd rather have someone else, you know, cook for me and I just get to enjoy it? I, I feel like Lily, you're probably like yes, yes, yes to the cooking. I mean, I love. I just. It's my happy place, like 100%. I was in the kitchen yesterday and I just love it. Like it's a complete and utter, it's almost like I'm not very good at meditating or switching my brain off. So when I'm doing something that does it for me, you know, just like relentlessly chopping like 50,000 kilos of cabbage, um, it's like I really just, it just switches me off and I just feel completely like at one with, and it's just a really nice thing to do. And did that change for you? Did, did your relationship with cooking change when it became your job? It did change a bit, actually, yeah. I would say it changed um, sort of, uh, yeah, I guess early on in my job because I was, you know, probably not living a particularly well life because I was, you know, the first year of detox, I did everything. I did the deliveries at, like, three in the morning. I mean, it was just absolutely relentless, and I was, like, a very, like, not healthy person because of it, um, which in itself is ironic. But, um, and, yeah, I guess being in the kitchen, cooking for my thing, when I went home, I just completely crashed and wanted someone else to cook for me so so yeah to an extent but I've definitely now kind of got a slightly slower better pace with work and really enjoy cooking yeah um yeah I mean I love cooking but I don't have to cook for work I mean I do so I have a little food delivery but it's not really the core of my work so I I agree totally agree with you it's really meditative and I love Mm. it I love doing it we started doing this because the kids are older sorry because the kids are older and they all go out who started doing this thing on Friday evenings before everybody d- disappears and I try and have a chat with the kids and my husband like what has your week been um, but actually it's worked it's been really nice we've been doing it for for a little while and so it's really nice because then I'm like I've been doing you know it's really just lovely and it's a really it really sums up the things that are nice about food so I get to make the food so we did like Mexican and then we did um, uh, Spanish you know whatever tapas and so I get to do my favourite thing, which is creating, because it's really creative cooking. Mm, yeah. So I do that, and then we get to hang out, and then I, that's it. The rest of the weekend, they're all gone. But it's really <coughs> a nice communal time. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, so you've both got three kids. You've both got successful, amazing careers. Can you talk us through... How you balance it all? What does a typical day look like for the two? Please, can somebody get Rose some water? water? <laughs> I've got my water. Okay, we'll go to Lily first. All right, sorry. Lily, what does a typical day look like for you? What what bits of detox kitchen are still in your power, and how do you balance that with? I know you're doing a masters. You've got three kids under the age of seven. How do you get through the day um, apart from the obvious? <laughs> yeah no um how do I get through the day I 
don't really know. I th- I think I'm not. I'm naturally like a not very, naturally not a very stressed person. I deal with stress really well. So actually, like if I relay my day, it seems like it's completely mad, but it feels. I guess I'm sort of very organised. You know, like if I think about my mornings, to me they don't seem militant, but actually they might seem quite militant to some other people. So everything has to kind of like. I guess I'm a bit OCD, basically. And um, so I just have everything kind of compartmentalised into times. And it's also really important that I do that so that when I'm with the groups that I'm with, I can be the person I need to be when I'm with them. Um, so, yeah, with my children, they're obviously at school, so we drop them to school. And then I, you know, full-time at Detox Kitchen um, and still, like, very hands-on kind of managing director role. So I'm there pretty much every day. Um, apart from Fridays, I try to have a half-day um but I tend to try I you know I'm really sort of even with my employees I try to not be and and COVID really helped with this not to try be too rigid with the working hours obviously we have people in the kitchen but outside (coughs) of that sort of you know just being very clear with what the objective is and if you can achieve the objective then it doesn't really matter what hours you're working or when you're working and I want that flexibility and I want my team to have that flexibility as well um but I am definitely a person also that I just like to fill my life with stuff and I'm kind of curious about things. And yeah, I recently did this master's, which to most people were like, this, why are you doing this? Like, you're crazy. But actually, like, it's just made me much happier. And I, I really enjoyed learning. And somehow, by filling my life with more things, I have more time to, like, be present in other things. I, don't, I can't really explain it. But I think everyone is different. And, you know, that's just the way that I like to kind of roll with it, I suppose. Do you do tea time with the kids? What time? Uh, yeah. I actually don't know I this. Eat. I don't know at what point you start eating dinner with your kids. Yeah, I eat with them every single day without fail. So I eat with them. We tend to have dinner at 5.30. So I'm always home at 5. Dinner with them without without fail. Um, and and then, um, yeah, so then I've also had dinner by 5.30. So then we all bath together still, which I was discussing with my friend earlier. I'm not sure if I should be bathing with a seven-year-old. But <laughs> anyway, and our bath's way too small. And everyone's like, oh. And I'm like, oh, so that nice. sounds sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe we'll stop that when I get back. But anyway, um, so we were bath together. So then by seven, I've got the bed, the kids asleep-ish, not really. Um, I'm bathed and I'm fed. So then I can do what I want for three hours, um, which is quite nice. So I don't know what question is. Is that but... then downtime or back to work? <laughs> um, bit of both, really. both, yeah. Depends what I need to do. Normally uni work, actually. Uni work. How old am I? I I'm ten years older than you, and I'm doing. <laughs> you're basing a master. Like you're doing. I hate mine. I'm doing. I hate mine. <laughs> Rose, how about you? What does a typical day look like for you? Um, I'm quite an early bird, so and I like getting up early. I like to have a bit of time before the day starts. So I do that, and then I shout at the kids for a bit to get ready. <laughs> then we put them on the bus at about quarter to eight. Um. I suppose it's changed a lot because of COVID. So it used to be a lot of in-clinic, but now I do a lot on Zoom. So um, so I usually do a bit of, I, I do some clinic and I'll do it on Zoom. I do spend, so I, I don't live in London, so I spend, I probably go to London for two days a week to do either in-clinic or to do meetings, about meetings, about meetings. Um, and But I do quite like to have my London fix. I'm a city girl and living in the country is lovely. I love it, but I do need to have a bit of energy from the city. Um, And then we eat quite early too. Um, So I usually eat with the kids. I mean, if I'm at home, I eat with the kids. And we eat probably around six. I go to bed at nine. 
I go to bed at nine. I love it. Um, I I love all. Well, I'm either that's what I mean. I'm either up for four or I'm in bed at nine. <laughs> that's like, there is no balance, but there should be everyone. Um, and then, and what do I? I was going to say something about. Um, Oh, exercise. So exercise-wise, I, I, I go through fits and starts of liking things. So I ran for a long time. And I love running. But um, at the moment, I'm having a bit of a Pilates phase. And, um, or, you know, so it goes in stages. So I probably do something three or four times a week in the morning. And I, I like, I usually do that around, I try and do it before the onslaught of the girls. So around 6.37. And I love that. I love that part of my day a lot. And then I have a shower and I feel really together if I've done all that. I'm ready. And I really, yeah, and that's what, yeah, that's sort of our day. And I life. feel like for both of you, being successful women in, in wellness, you know, having your time to show up for yourself so you can show up for the others in your life is of utmost importance, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel so much better if I've done that. All that I can deal with all the things that the day chucks at me. Yeah. Um, I do find my, this master's that I'm doing, I find it very difficult. I'm finding it, I think off the back also of the functional medicine, I'm a bit like, <laughs> I've had enough. But because it, it also, for me, I don't know how it's for you, Lily, but it fills in every gap of my brain. Some It's full. And then wherever there's a slight glimmer where I could have some time off, the master's is there to do. But I'm nearly, I'm getting there. I'm nearly Tapping done. you on the shoulder. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm finding it quite draining that at the moment, if I'm honest. But it's nearly done. Yeah. Ish. Yes, we are going to have time for questions at the end, but if it's if it's right here right now, then please feel free. Just to um, sorry, just to repeat what you said for everyone listening. Um, the question was around the plant based movement and uh, eating less meat and how that fits into both Rose and Lily's ethos. I mean, from from my perspective, I think um, so. We have. 10 years ago when I started Detox Kitchen, we had we started with a vegan package and a protein package. We only had two packages. And probably until up a, about seven years ago, our protein package, which is meat and fish, outsold our vegan package by, it was like 80-20. Um, now it's the complete, almost the complete reverse. So our vegan um, dishes across all of our packages are probably 70% of our total revenue. Um, and actually... I think what's really interesting is when you look at our cafes, the change there, because we have five, 600 people coming into our cafes every single day at two sites. So, you know, a thousand people a day that we're sort of getting data on, I suppose, to some extent of what their food choices are. And that's been a huge change as well. So in the early days, you had nearly every single person had a protein with their salad. Um, they would add chicken or um, I think salmon was the most, the highest um, purchased. Now it's literally 20%. It's like the smallest part of our section is, is meat and fish. And I think that's because, um, you know, we have the same customers coming through our doors. You know, it's the same people that work in the same offices. So it's not a new churn of customers who are making different food choices. It's actually the same people making, you know, switching to veganism. Um, and I think, you know, I would love, I sort of have this vision of a future where everyone is vegan. And we look back at how we ate meat and think that it was wrong you know um from an animal welfare perspective i think i'm a bit more like i try and keep my views probably down a bit because i know that lots of people eat meat and it's completely fine if it's farmed well but you know i think um we're in a in a very worrying place with the the way that we farm um meat and fish and it needs to change and so we're definitely seeing the movement but i'm also very conscious that we're in a london bubble um so we haven't actually looked at our nationwide data it might be quite interesting to see that see if it's a, a difference between those sort of 
things. But yeah, it's certainly a movement that we're very aware of um, and feel very positive about. From a health point of view, um, I totally agree with actually what Livy's saying. I mean, the idea that you can buy two chickens for a fiver is utterly shocking. I, I mean, you know, you, you, one of the, so from an animal welfare, I th and also I think um, <clears throat> from a health point of view, eating meat is not bad, but eating it, um, meat that is full of hormones and fillers is bad. So buy less meat, buy better quality meat. Um, and then the far, I mean, the farming is really awful. But from a health point, from a like a, you know body type, uh, point of view, um, a bit of meat is good. I eat a little bit of meat. Um, I think the plant based thing is really interesting, and it's good. Uh, the only thing that worries me about plant based movement is that there's a lot of rubbish plant based products coming up now, processed stuff that is a replacement. I mean, some of the replacement meat, when you look at the ingredients, it makes my heart sink because. Plant-based should be fresh. It should be full of legumes and beans and, you know, all the things that you would imagine. You know, being a healthy vegan is not as easy as being an unhealthy one, sadly. Yeah, it's the same with cheeses. I, oh, God, everyone yeah. is talking about genetically modified meats, but actually the cheeses that are coming out, and that's a really <laughs> massive growing market, and they're just full of rubbish. You know, some of them have, like, plastic forms in them, just awful and... Yeah, they shouldn't be allowed on the market, but yeah. they also taste pretty rank, vegan cheese. Rose, would you say the same on dairy from a health perspective, that you're better to buy less, better quality, but that it is overall beneficial? I'm not a massive fan of dairy. No. And even though I don't, I don't, I, but yes, basically any, any animal product, buy really good quality, make sure it's farmed really well, you know, for the sake of you and for the animal. I think that's really important. I, it, yeah. Really, like, really, really important. Um, I don't think you need to have dairy in your diet, but it does taste nice. Cheese does. Mm, <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> but I was saying earlier that I actually think goat and sheep are better because they're, they're less um, industrially farmed. So then it tends to be better quality and less processed. So I'd, I'd have a look at sheep and goat milk, if, you know. But I don't, I'm not a big fan of cows, not anything. We're going to start wrapping up. I don't actually know how long we've been talking to. It could... I'm going to start wrapping. I'm going to start wrapping now. Uh, about, yeah, meat, dairy. <laughs> um, but quick three tips from you both on how um, people can eat better, whatever that looks like for you. Because a lot of the time people think, I can't eat well. I, I simply can't because, you know, down the time, I don't have the money. So some tips around that, maybe some, I don't know, if there's a, a snack, a go-to or something. I'm going to leave that wide open for you both to answer. <laughs> it just came on as if, yeah, my, yeah. As if my, my brain had switched on, but it hasn't. So. Um, oh, my God. I mean, it's just like drink more water, eat more fruit and veg. I mean, it is really that, part of it is really that simple. Mm. And I think the meat thing is if you're going to spend money on organic food, organic, outdoor reared, grass-fed, when it comes to meat and dairy, I think that's where you spend your money. Um, yes, I did that. I mean, you know, I think, I mean, I don't know. Well, actually, one thing that I, there's a lot of research that's coming out at the moment, which is quite interesting, around eating vegetables before you eat sugar and how it reduces your blood sugar spike, uh, your glucose spike. Because of the fibre. That's yeah. what, it will slow down the absorption of sugar into, into your bloodstream. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. Before you have your Mars bar, so have I thought, yeah. yeah, I thought that's quite, Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I thought that's quite interesting actually because there's a lot of very significant evidence so that would be a good thing if you're really craving sugar and I try and do that with my kids I always just serve them a plate of crudités 
and then like eat those and then whatever have what you want yeah um and then it makes it less of a thing as well that they're each i'd have to worry about you know um but i i really don't think that you know we're all so individual and there's so much science now that's coming out and i think we will in 20 years time we'll all be wearing technology that tells us the right things to eat and the right effect that it has on us and we'll probably even have tech that is saying that's going to make you feel happy. That's going to make you feel sad. That's going to make you feel anxious. Don't eat that food. Like it will literally be, t- it, it's kind of terrifying. Yeah, I know, that is terrifying. <laughs> but I think it's a bit like anything AI wise, right? It's like, terif- yeah. it could be terrifying in the wrong, if it's interpreted in the wrong way, but it could be like life altering and incredible yeah. if it's interpreted and used in the right way. So I think that's quite exciting. I know that doesn't help anyone now. It's not like not advice, <laughs> but it's, it's basically, you know, goes back to intuitive eating and it kind of takes away the fact that we can't eat intuitively because we're given and marketed foods that won't allow us to do it and so potentially if tech can reverse that in some respect then great um but yeah i would say you know the be- the best thing you can possibly do is just be very conscious of after you've eaten something how you feel you know start with something simple how does coffee make you feel how does eating a donut make you feel and then eat a cabbage sandwich and see how that makes you feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. And think of me when you eat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Since we are whizzing through our time, we're going to finish with the question we always finish the podcast with. And this is healthy habits. So we always ask our guests for their healthy habits, something that they do weekly, daily, that enhances their physical or mental health, makes them feel great. We have had all sorts from cold water swimming to someone, someone had a coffee enema once. Coffee enema. We've had yeah. some. We've had some funny ones. Vagina Please, can gazing. Can we have a healthy habit from both <laughs> of you? And take healthy with a pinch of salt. Yes, very nice. Um, well, my, mine are the, the things that make me feel amazing. Is every Saturday. This sounds really silly and like wellness, but whatever. Um, I go for a run and I jump in the river, mm-hmm. and it just makes me unbelievably happy and I suffer with anxiety and it's if I feel even remotely anxious it is completely gone I'm a massive fan of cold water therapy see um yeah is that year round Lily so my last river swim of the year was probably November and my first swim was March so pretty good most of the year but is it in Thames I just go at Busker you get Busker yeah yeah, that's where I go there too oh we should go together oh Oh, that's so funny yeah it's nice there's a really there's a nice swimming pond near um I I was going to say cold showers because if I do that every day so I know that I don't always make it to the river so um but it does it's game changing, I have to say. So I have a cold shower and I don't have it every day because sometimes I'm just not in the mood. But most days, and it means I can do it consistently. And I think my morning routine, I love my morning routine. Get up, train, have a cold shower. And then I feel like I'm on it. I, those are my favorite days. But I think if there was nothing, I if I can't do the exercise, and I can't, you know, the cold shower doesn't have to be full, you know, even if it's 30 seconds at the end of the shower. That just... I just know that I'm doing something good for me. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you both so very much. It's been an absolute joy speaking with you both and learning more about everything you enjoy. Lovely. Thank you so much. Ah, oh, what Huns and both such inspiring women juggling amazing careers studies and motherhood 
I feel like they have so much wisdom on their topics. It was just a joy speaking to them. Totally. They're such like power women. Proper girl crush over here. Um, to our lovely listeners, we're going to miss you until we... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. are back in your ears please keep cooking our recipes as you know you can find them all on instagram at kitchen club podcast and if you miss the sound of our voices there are five whole episodes no sorry five whole seasons for you to get uh to get stuck into to to listen back through um we're so proud to have had such an amazing run of guests over the last couple of years so there is loads of wisdom in there for you all to enjoy absolutely and if you have been enjoying the podcast so far then your support always always means the world to us and we'd love it if you have 30 seconds to leave us a review and a little rating wherever you get your podcasts thank you all so much for listening and we will see you in 2023 when our lives will be very different and serena has written for me to say when our tits will be leaking (laughs) thank you serena um and the podcast will probably be soundtracked by screen babies but hey ho we go with the flow um sending you all heaps of love and happy cooking bye love you bye